Who could have imagined they were there? Who could have predicted they would attack? And now, who would survive? Your Honor, they're here. Johnny's Reviews, the Movie Review Podcast, that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a thing. Also starting today, for the next three months, will be the Summer of Shocks, which is be my look at Hitchcock movies, Stephen King movies, of which you can vote for uh, when I cover them in the forthcoming months. And this month's movie uh, is The Piranha Franchise. So, dig out your short shorts, apply that suntan lotion, grab your favourite shades and dive into the waters of B-movie heaven. Starting with Piranha, the 1978 Jaws ripoff brought to us by the one and only Roger Corbin and directed by the legendary Joe Dante. This Corbin cheapy jumped on the creature feature killer critter uh, fad spacked off by Jaws, as I said earlier. With its tiny budget of $600,000, this thing pulled in a mammoth $16 million. Wow. And this is the first time I've actually ever watched this thing, even though I've had these DVDs for years. So let's just dive into the cool river waters and kick off the summer of shocks. Starring Bradford Dillman, Heather Menzies, Kevin McCarthy and Dick Miller, directed by Joe Dante. The plot, two stoner teens accidentally release a swarm of genetically altered school of piranha. The fish start to kill anyone in their way, heading downstream uh, to a river resort. Can a private investigator and a drunkard stop these killer fish before they're next on the menu? Find out here. So the movie opens up on United Artists logo, then onto shots of a wire fence as we see two teens sneak into a restricted area. I'm not going to lie here, uh, these still look right out of a bloody Friday the 13th uh, movie and I just 
begging for Jason to come up and kill them and fight. I can hear every time they're on screen. I mean, they have the rucksacks, they have the short shorts, they have the stoner attitude. I mean, uh, these two stoners are Barbara, played by Janine Squire. And David, played by Roger Richman. The two find a pool of dank, dark water, so they decide to strip off and dive right in. Yeah, no. Uh, there would be no way in the pits, the very bowels of hell, I would dive straight into this stagnant, dank water, even if I bloody well could swim. <laughs> I mean, fuck that. I mean, this water looks absolutely disgusting. It's dark green and it's got a floating top of it and it's fucking rank. Anyway. 30 seconds later, David is bitten by something, but instead of, oh, I don't know, getting out of the fucking water, he decides to swim in deeper. Idiot. Then they're attacked by a swarm of piranhas. The music in this opening is very bloody carey. She's coming soon, bye bye. Barbara sees David get eaten, but continues to swim. And who said pot wasn't fucking bad for the brain cells? Me for crying out loud, a ditzy bitch. And she's killed off screen because, eh, why not? Oh, before I go any deeper, I am not doing the 1990s uh, remake of this because it's a pretty much shot for shot remake. I'm going to stick to the four movies that are out there. So, eh, to that. Anyway, moving on. Up pops the title, Piranha, which melts into a pool of blood. And I've got to say, I love that effect. After the cast names are shown, we get shots of what was like an arcade game of Jaws which was ported to the NES in the late 80s. Subtle, Corman, real fucking subtle. Playing this game as private investigator Maggie McEwen, played by Heather Menzies of The Sound of Music, Logan's Run TV, and Captain America 1979. She's sent by her boss Earl, played by Richard Deacon, to hunt down the hapless teens. On to stock footage of a 70s plane taking off, and we see an old man out with his dog delivering food via a kid's little uh, toy cart thingy to our <coughs> hero, Paul, played by Bradford Dillman of Escape from the Planet of the Apes, The Swarm, Sudden Impact and Murder, She Wrote. Rumour has it he didn't actually get along with Roger Corman as he hated the fact his character was flat and one-dimensional. With him saying, quote, Corman doesn't use good actors. And since I'm a real actor, I'll have to fix this character myself. Unquote. Yeah, I'm sorry, mate, but I looked up the IMDb. You're a fucking jobbing TV actor. So, shh, with that one. Jesus criminals. Anyway, moving on. The old man is Jack, played by Kean Wayne, uh, who hands Paul his weekly booze of a bottle of scotch, gin, bourbon, and tequila. And who the hell am I kidding? I'll be finished in six and ten hours. This guy's a fucking lush. Back to Maggie as she struggles to control a jeep, driving up the windy country roads, it overheats and, well, stalls. I mean, women drivers, am I right, 1970s? Hmm? Uh, she hunts down Paul, who is about to eat a fried fish, which she dusts with sh sugar powder, sort of powdered sugar. What the fuck? Who puts powdered sugar on bloody greasy-ass fish? I mean, <laughs> moving on. She questions him if... He saw the missing teens, explaining she's a PI. He doesn't like her line of questioning, and I swear to God, it looks like he's going to smack her any second if she doesn't shut the fuck up. Ah, the 70s. He was the sort of person that would soon smack you in the face as smile at you. I mean, he's the sort of person that has a smile first thing in the morning just to get over with, you know? I mean, ah, dear, oh dear. He's like stale fucking 
still beer fags and be over crying out loud. And moving on. He tells her about an old army testing site upriver, so she drags his drunken ass up to it. She breaks the padlock to the army base, even though there's a fucking hole in a fence not ten foot from where the hell they're standing. Uh, moving on. He staggers in after her, and I love the fact he has a huge metal hip flask on him at all times. I mean, this thing is, I think it's full of scotch or gin or vodka, whatever the hell it is, but he wigs from it constantly, I mean, just to hammer the fact that he's a bloody drunkard. Yeah, it's very subtle, Corwin. The two check out the base, which looks completely different from the one from earlier, but never mind that. Maggie finds a Barbara's gold chain. The two snip around, finding a warm cup of coffee and a lab full of jars with weird bodies inside of them, all dead and in formaldehyde or what the hell that stuff is. Then a walking prana-like creature. Uh, and all stop motion goodness. Wait, what's this thing? Uh, then they see in a fish tank another one, but it's the one's a hand puppet. Now hold on me here. Whoa, 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 wait a minute here. I'm backing this one up a bit here. They have walking upright in two legs, piranha like creature breathing out of water. Wow, the LSD must have been good in this set or even in the writing room. Jesus, how the fuck do you come up with that one? Oh my god, Maggie finds the teen stings. She decides to drain the water tank because, of course, she would. I mean, also, walking prana, what the f? Moving the fuck right on. Out of the shadows leaps Dr. Hawk, played by Kevin McCarthy of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1956. The Howling, Inner Space, UHF, Ghoulies 3, check my archives, and Just Cause, screaming, What are you doing? as the all three struggle as the tank drains. Paul gets his ass kicked by the mad doctor until Maggie knocks him out cold with the metal hip flask. I mean, she fucking whacks him over the head with a thing about nine times for crying out loud. Subtle. Yet all Paul seems to give a shit about is the fact he dented his prized booze flask. What a complete fucking dick. I mean, this old guy was choking the living hell out of him and she just clocks him on the back of the head. Oh my god, you dented my hip flask. What a Fucking asshole. All the time, the weird creature is standing in the shadows watching. What is it with this little bloody creature for fuck's sake? I mean, it pops up like two or three times and just disappears, never mentioned again. In fact, the doctor doesn't even mention the fact that there's a walking prana. I mean, <sighs> outside, uh, the tank is now drained, so Paul, Paul even points out the fact that the water is salty as Maggie finds the bodies of the missing teens. Clean. The doctor comes to, steals the jeep, heads into town to tell the sheriff what has happened. The doctor, woozy from getting whacked over the back of the head about nine bloody times, crashes the jeep. And I've got to say, for a cheapie, this crash is quite cool. Actually, it flips out five or six times, yet doesn't explode. I mean, hmm. Maggie finds him, so drags him back to Paul's cabin, ties him to a bed, and bandages his head. Kieran. He then comes to ranting about razor teeth. Paul thinks he's bug nuts as he rants about how they breed like flies and there'll be no stopping them. Maggie just tucks him in and just walks out and leaves him ranting away, as you do. On the sofa, Paul tells her he'll kill the mad doctor for interrupting his drinking. Then tells Maggie he quit smoking due to that interrupting his drinking also. And wow! I bet this guy hates sleeping, eating, shitting and even breathing because I interrupt his bloody precious drinking time. One dimensional is right, my god. 
Maggie asks him if he started drinking before or after his wife left him, and this is a sore spot with Paul, so she drops it and asks him about the town's history, which he tells her while filling up his hip flask with gin. Wow. He tells her he was fired from his job due to it killing too many fish in the water down by the, the, the um, mouth of the uh, river. It's a smelting plant, what the hell it is, I'm moving on. That was bought over by the army, then it was later sold to a property developer to make a fancy-ass resort. Kieran. He tells her once the summer is over, he'll get a job to keep his daughter in Sanchez. Who the fuck wrote this fucking script? That line is... Oh my god. Anyway, moving on. Also, wouldn't you get a job during the summer because the tourists and shit? But moving on. He gets a blanket and she unsubtly hits them saying, quote, I've been trying to hit my way under the cover for five minutes. Wow, love. Just wow. Not six hours ago, he was going to belt over the back of the head for being a fucking gobby woman. Or gobby broads, even. Yet you're hitting on him, wouldn't he reek of booze and B.O. and God knows what you're hitting on him. Real subtle love. The next morning, Paul tells her they can't move the doctor without the jeep. Now, hold on a minute here. This jeep is just left at the side of the road in a ditch. They didn't even try to write this thing, they just dump it and walk away. This thing would still bloody well work. But nope. It's on its side, so it's fucked. I mean, it's a fucking jeep. These things are tough little fuckers fuck up the right way and drive it off. It didn't explode. Luckily, this is a 70s car and not an 80s car because, of course, we all know 80s car fucking explode as soon as a bloody pebble hits them for fuck's sake. These things are, oh my god. Moving the fuck right on, he shows her his raft, which he built for his daughter. However, she's afraid of water, so it was untested. Yeah, no. I would rather take my chance walking into Camp Crystal Week on Thursday the 12th uh, than take this rickety-ass raft built by a drunkard and a fucking seven-year-old kid. Cut to said daughter at summer camp just down the river. She is Susie, played by Shannon Collins. She is approached by a camp counsellor who tries to get her to swim in the river uh, to get some stupid camp swimming badge. I mean, mm. and where the fuck is Jason meet him? Now I know why there's 13, thir- say again, there's 13 Friday the 13th movies. If there's bitches I'm to judge by, these camp counsellors need to die. I mean, Jesus Christ, she push and push and push about a stupid fucking swimming badge and blah, 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 blah. Who gives a rat's ass about a bloody swimming badge? Leave the kid alone for... F- I mean, I personally never went to camp. In fact, I don't think there was camps in Scotland in the 80s or 90s, but, meh, whatever. The camp owner, Mr. Dumont, played by Paul Bartell, tells little Susie to suck up buttercup as fish don't eat people, people eat fish. Eh, sharks, hello. To get back, this female counsellor, Laura, played by Melody Thomas-Scott, is trying and encouraging Susie. But this douchebag, Dumont, is a total and utter prick to her. Talking down to her like she's a little gutless piece of useless trash. I mean, Jesus Christ, this guy's a fucking head counsellor. I mean, for crying out loud. Back to old man Jack, who is now drinking with his dog, Brandy, with both feet in the water, talking about absolute shit while <clears throat> fishing. And by fishing, I mean uh, he's throwing in chum into the river, because of course that's how you get fish. Seconds later, he's attacked by the camera. Oops, sorry, that's Piranha. Which has this 
weird sped up sound effect and every time I hear this thing it gets fucking weird as shit. Apparently it's dental drills I held underwater and sped up. Okay then. Back to Paul who is now in the water on the raft with Maggie and the doctor. He questions the doctor as to what happened to the teens and what the fuck is going on in this army uh, site. He tells her the water is filled with piranha, uh, which she released into the river because she's a ditzy. The doctor tells him nothing more, so Paul threatens to dip him into the water. However, he overhears old Jack's dog barking, so Paul's able to see it, and here we find Jack's dead body with his lower body eaten off and picked clean. Upon finding the body, which is facing upwards and not downwards, because if... Uh, I don't get this bit here. I mean, they find this old guy lying up, chest up, but wouldn't he be chest down as he's crawling away from the water? I mean, mm. uh, I don't know. I mean, Paul buries him off screen. Back to the camp, little Susie is throwing darts at a picture of the camp owner. Another unnamed uh, female counsellor helps out little Susie by drawing a cut on her knee because she doesn't want to go swimming. And uh, what the fuck? She literally takes a red biro and draws a cut on her knee. What the f... Meanwhile, on the river, a father and son are attacked by the piranha. The father is pulled in and capsizes the canoe. Meanwhile, the son sits on top, hang on for dear bloody life. Back to Maggie. As she has now untied the doctor, he tells them about the US Army, paid him to create genetically modified piranha to take down the Vietnamese in Vietnam, even though the Vietnam War finished in what, 73, 72? This is 78. Okay then. He created these pranas that can survive in cold water. The army found out about these experiments and poisoned the water, but the fish survived and are now bred into super piranha. Okay then. With that, the doctor washes hands of everything he has done. It suddenly hits Paul that his daughter's summer camp might be next. I just said camp. The drawn-on cut knee worked on... Uh, worked on little Susie here as the rest of the kids go swimming, except for little Susie, who sits under a tree and watches on with a grin on her face. Back to Paul, as they come across the canoe with a little boy sitting on top of it, they punt there to find that the father is long dead. So the doctor dives into the water to distract the fish. It works until he's eaten. They then attack the raft, eating the ropes, causing the raft to fall apart. Due to Paul being a fucking idiot and not dumping a body overboard as the doctor bleeds out into the river water. On, uh, sorry, with the raft falling apart, uh, Maggie dumps the body into the water. However, the fish are still attacking them as they barely make it ashore. How the fuck would the fish understand how to... Oh, moving on. Paul runs off to stop the dam for being opening. Uh, sorry, opening? Opened. Uh, to refill the camp's water. We went here. So, there's a Summer camp downstream, it's a man-made, I don't know, lake or stream or river, what the hell it is. And there's a dam upstream that feeds that camp water. Why not just take the... Oh, moving the fuck right on. It makes no fucking sense. He gets to the dam just in time to stop the guard from opening the gates. Justin Armour show up, because why the fuck not? Led by Colonel Waxman, played by Bruce Gordon. And army scientist Dr. Merengues, or Merengues, eh, whatever, played by Barbara Steele. 
She doesn't believe Paul's stories until she sees the fish for herself. A soldier throws in a whole leg of cow. A second later, it's down to the bone. So Dr. Meringues, or Mengers, yeah, Mengers, that's better, then says she'll poison the water and I'll be perfectly fine. Uh, what about the rest of the wildlife on the fucking river, love? I mean, also, while I'm at it, why isn't the prana eating every single fish, fucking bird, frog, whatever the hell's in that bloody river, not instead of attacking the bloody humans? Paul smells bullshit, asking how the hell they got this so quick with all this shit. So Dr. Menges tells them to join up or shut up. Cut to Paul pointing out there's a stream that leads back to the summer camp and the Prana will be heading there because there's a split in the river or there's a fucking river. Right, I have no idea what the hell this thing is. I mean, <clears throat> Maggie asks Dr. Menger. Uh, why she won't listen if she knew what Dr. Hawk was doing to the fish, she called with tells her the fish are more important than a few people's lives. Okay then. Colonel Waxman threatens to silence Paul if he squeals to the press and is held at camp at gunpoint. Kieran. That night, Paul gets Maggie to distract the guard so he can escape. Maggie asks how, so Paul tells her to come on to him. She replies, what if he's gay without missing a beat? He says, I'll come on to him then. And I got to admit, I actually laughed at that a bit. I mean, that was just ridiculous. Some of the dialogue is quite sharp and quite funny. Um, but I actually laughed at that a bit. Out she goes to distract him by first asking him if he's gay and then flashing his boots at him, shouting, Look up in the sky, it's Superman! <laughs> oh my god, that's just ridiculous, that scene. Oh my god. Note, these boobs weren't hers, weren't Heather or Menzies rather, but a waitress they paid 50 bucks to. With that, they steal an army jeep, they call the summer camp to warn them of the killer fish, but of course the buttmunch owner doesn't listen, so Paul races to save his daughter. And I've just noticed here, it's been over 12 hours since he last hit the sauce. And he is even carrying his little metal flask. I mean, what the fuck, he's now a superhero all of a sudden? Get in. The pulled over boy when dumbass cop, who of course doesn't believe the story, so arrests Paul for stealing the jeep. The cops are then called the colonel, who tells him to hold them overnight. As this is happening, Dr. Meringers opens up the floodgates to release the prana. Why? Back at the camp. Over Schmores, an unnamed female counsellor is telling the kids a scary bedtime story, as you do. A note, all these kids got paid at $5 a day and a packed lunch to be in this thing as this was a 30 day shoot. Okay, actually I think it was only $5 and a packed lunch. What the? Somebody's labour law, you know. Anyway, the colonel then calls the real estate agent owner, Buck Gardner, played by the late Dick Miller, of, well, you name it, he's been on it from Gremlins to Terminator to Chopping Wall to Night of the Creeps and even Demon Knight tells the bloody well crypt. Anyway, the colonel tells him not to believe Paul if he calls this no such thing as Killer Mutant Piranhas. Back to summer camp and we finally find out the name of the chick that has been scaring the bejesus out of the kids. She is Betsy, played by Belinda Belaski. Turns out she's the BFF with Laura. The only other counsellor in this fucking camp. I mean, there must be about, what, about 50 kids? And there's two counsellors and one douchebag owner? Wow. The two smoke pot, because of course they do. Until Dumont catches them. So they tell him the campers are having a midnight swim down the river and just toss the pot into the river. Well, why not? The next morning, Maggie escapes jail by kicking the pipe to the sink, calling over the guard, the guard and knocking him out with the bloody... Toilet lid. I mean, he 
She fucking cocks him the back of the head and knocks him right out. Now, free. Paul and her run to the camp, onto the grand opening of the Riverside Resort. As we see, uh, so as we get a monorail ride, look at the complex. That's a pretty cool shot, actually. Back to the camp. Dumont is being a dick to the kid, because of course he is. Betsy and Laura get the kids to line up into two groups. All fucking 25 of them. I mean, well, 25, two, whatever. To start the water games, Paul and Maggie in a stolen police cruiser race to the camp. As in the car, Paul puts all together that since the doctor tampered with the prana, they can live in both fresh and salt water. So with the prana heading out to the ocean, he just pulls one out of his fucking arse. I mean, with all the kids in the river, Dumont starts the games, all but little Susie who hides under a canoe, because of course she does. And when do these kids get eaten? I mean, for God's sake, there's only 20 fucking minutes left. Get on with it already. Finally, the fish attack. As they start chomping on the happy campers, Dumont even gets his face bitten when one jumps into the water. Chaos reigns as a feeding frenzy kicks in. On seeing this, little Susie grabs a canoe to rescue as many as she can, but she can't move over because she pushes it and not pulls like a fucking idiot. So she grabs an inflatable dinghy, because that's going to work perfectly fine. Where she rescues Betsy and Laura until Betsy falls in and posts a shot as she's dragged underwater, being eaten by the piranha. Paul finally arrives and gets a, as many kids out as the water as humanly possible as Maggie calls the resort to warn them the piranhas are heading there, but of course Buck doesn't want to listen. Back at the camp, the waters are red with blood as rubber dinghies float there abandoned in utter fear. Paul looks on disgust at Demont and then runs to save the resort. With 15 minutes left, it's time for a plan to feast on teen flesh after the kiddie-sized fun meals. At the resort, Colonel Waxman and Dr. Mengers meet Buck to tell them Paul has escaped. With that, they all board a riverboat as Buck, I don't know, deals with press, etc, etc. On the river, cue some water skiing as divers go underwater for reasons as they're eaten by piranha. Next is the water skier. Finally, chaos and destruction as the fish coast all hell to break loose as a boat plows into one and it blows the fuck right up. At the resort, it's dinner time as the teens fall with the center to the razor sharp teeth. And of the fact as a sunbeaver reading Moby Dick. Although should not be jaws by Peter Benchley or have been too much. Hmm. As Buck is fielding calls from the press, denying absolutely everything, people are getting chomped on left and right. Even the colonel's riverboat falls. As panic grips the river, people f fall to the fish's teeth. Colonel Waxman throws people back into the river because the boat is, he's sitting in sort of capsized a little bit. People run for their lives as Paul and Maggie shop for help. Uh, the colonel falls in, so I guess it's tartar to him then. Paul and Maggie jump into a speedboat, heading to the smelting plant where he plans to poison the water with the toxic waste. Too bad the planner have other ideas and attack him underwater. Maggie counts to 100 to pull up and out, and I gotta say, when Paul's underwater, this is the cleanest, clearest riverbed I've ever seen. Anyway, Paul turns on the waste pipe and poisons the water, but too bad he's been eaten. With the press all over the resort, dozens are dead. Little Susie is looking for her daddy, carrying his hip flask. Nice touch there. Buck is now ruined. Dr. Marenquez claims she knows nothing of it. 
She denies any prana have survived and headed out to sea. As cut to the ocean, we hear the prana feeding sound as credits roll. So, that was Piranha 79, a beat movie which is schizophrenic. One minute it's all serious and it's just cracking jokes, and then it falls into camp. The Piranha feeding scenes are the only highlight of this. Even though this is only an hour and 28 minutes long, it drags. Nothing happens until the final 25 minutes, and it's all over in 5 minutes. Also, what was the plan here? Let the Piranha roam free to start a war? I mean, what the f- where's the profit in- I want to say, what is profit? Oh no, this is a campy B-movie, which just isn't campy enough. I'm going to give give this a, a 4 out of 10. Still come back next week as I look at James Cameron's first movie, Piranha 2, The Spawning. Then come back the rest of the month for the rest of the movies. So, uh, don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod to vote on what movies I will cover. Or email me your most suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other monster movie franchise, uh, such as Critters, Ghoulies, Gremlins and more. Also my solo B-movies, such as uh, The Stuff, Elvira and They Live. Also, uh, many, uh, many more. Uh, bye, and remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to. Now I'm off to play some bloody suntan lotion. Uh, bye.